welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger. We had a whole coordinated intro uh, for this where we tried... <laughs> Twice, we tried playing uh, My Hero by the Foo Fighters to open the episode. Then we realized, A, how jarring that would be to transition from one rock intro to another. Uh, B, how loud and devastating it would be for your ears. And C, uh, how stupid that was. (laughs) So we scrapped it, but we'll probably do it later in the episode. Eventually. There's going to be plenty of conversation about My Hero this episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is uh, Taro Taro Hiroshi has... uh, heard me say that it, he probably won't be a huge story for the rest of the season and so he's kept up his uh, point per game status as for, an NHL player for now for right, now because soon enough that will be a two point per game pace of course yeah we have it, there's always a slower build up with these superstars yeah uh, but after some time they find their legs yeah. welcome to the winged wheel podcast I'm Ryan Hanna I'm Brad Crisco Evan is in uh, Tennessee yep yeah I was uh, actually chatting with someone. They're like, oh, is Evan going to be in uh, Tennessee to play in like the Can-Am hockey tournament? I'm like, no, he's getting drunk. <laughs> <laughs> he's getting drunk and resisting the urge to hit on cougars and country bars. Yeah, he's... Uh, Don't worry, cat. He's behaving. Nashville is, uh, is a great place for a bachelor party. Is that what it is? It's a bachelor party? It's a bachelor party. Yeah, yeah. he's not going to remember a damn thing. No, of course not. He'll, and he'll also come back with a hangover that'll persist through like the next three episodes <laughs> oh god i'm so tired after we had la- like last month we had a bachelor party and i'm just like my body just won't do it yeah but if there's ever an ex- ever a place you can go where you might actually get a three-week hangover nashville's near the top of that list it is also trick is after you turn 25 every hangover is a three-week hangover yeah this is true i had three beers last night just over the course of an entire evening and I know if I touched a fourth, that was it. This whole day would have been done. And I still desperately needed a coffee to wake up. The the curious thing I'm going to look forward to when Evan gets back is how did he end up with the catfish in his luggage? <laughs> we know it's coming, but we don't know how. He uh, he got confused with the whole tossing a catfish on the ice tradition. He didn't really know how that worked. And, and he so just he kept just, it? Yeah, he kept it. Or he ran down to the ice, picked it up. For sure. It. Yeah. Everybody watch Predators games closely over the next couple days. It's going to get weird. See if you find Evan in the stance. On today's podcast, we are going to uh, chat about a few things, a few callbacks. Um, I like the theme that we have on this podcast of we were right about stuff. Yeah, it's been a few years in the making. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, we're first going to talk about uh, some updates with Detroit, of course, and then uh, the gold plan which seems to have been become prominent in uh, hockey media. But a week after we started talking about it, we're going to touch on that briefly today because we're going to be doing a very deep dive on it on Wednesday with a special guest. Yeah. Are we going to tell him who it is? Or? Might as well, because he's the guy who brought the gold pan- plan to the public's eye three years ago. Sean McIndoe. Yep. McIndoe, McIndoe. I was, and we asked him to. Down goes I, Brown. Down goes Brown. He's coming back. He's coming back. First, is that our first returning guest? No, Steve's been on a couple. Steve's been on a couple. And, yeah. And Evan. And Evan. Evan's, yeah, how, has Evan been on more than once? <laughs> in, uh, in body. And then we're going to be talking about um, the standings uh, as we get down to the wire. Of course, it's something we're going to touch on pretty much every episode before heading into overtime. Specifically, Columbus, what are you doing? Yeah, well, Why? No, we're going to have to have Allison on again soon to oh, yeah. process that for us. <laughs> oh, you know what else we didn't even think about as we were planning for this episode? More Ottawa. 
Oh my god. Eugene, why? Yeah, someone take the mic away. My favorite part about that is the day before they recorded, uh, Elliot and Jeff recorded the 31 Thoughts podcast where Elliot's advice was uh, just disappear. Just be quiet. Don't say anything. Disappear. Like, let people forget about this because right now they're kind of focused on your amazing farm system and how good Belleville's doing. Let it ride. And then he literally didn't even go 24 hours before ruining that all. Well, you know what? I love the 31 Thoughts podcast. I think it's great. I think it's pretty... It's easier for me to listen to because it's not the same style as how we do our podcast. and uh, Which is professionally and yeah. well done. <laughs> for for like those of you who might wonder, no, I don't listen. I don't go back and listen to our show. Like I'll do it for like editorial purposes, but I don't... We don't listen to ourselves casually. No. That's not... The, the only episode I've ever listened to uh, in full was the episode you and Evan recorded while I was in California that one time. And I, I listened to it th- three years ago. Something like that, yeah. I listened to it on the flight back. I had every intention of listening to the episode that you and Evan recorded without me, but I just, I don't know. You got like 10 minutes in and got bored? No, I was actually, <laughs> I started laughing off the start. I'm like, oh man, this is going to be entertaining, but... I was on vacation, and I didn't want to think about you guys on vacation. The whole thing. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, no, their their podcast is pretty cool, and and obviously Fridge is a, a true insider, like Bob McKenzie level insider in the NHL. Um, that podcast is is always worth a listen in my mind. But they've had some terrible luck the past few episodes where something happens like right after they record, right after they record, and then they don't. They, sometimes they don't they don't record for like a week because they're like two of the busiest people in hockey. <laughs> um, the the cool thing that they did recently was the uh, live recording, which I thought that episode was actually really, really cool. Um, they had some incredible guests on, obviously, um, McLean, John Shannon, Ed uh, McHale, Grabowski. He was the best of the interviews. He was so, oh man, him hustling Phil Kessel is such a hysterical story. Oh, the ping pong hustle? Yeah. Yep. Um, and yeah. you know what? I, I saw the, when Elliot talked about his thoughts with Eiserman. It made sense hearing him say it rather than seeing seeing it quoted on Twitter. And then, um, I, why can't I remember McLean's first name? Doug? Doug? Yeah, Doug McLean. Everyone was ripping on him because when he, he there's a quote that came out that said he thought uh, Eisenman was the worst captain ever. But if you listen to him tell his story, no, he was actually like extremely complimentary of him. And he, he was, was just being candid about Eisenman's struggles when he was a young yeah, captain. That could have been uh, summarized as young captain flustered. Yeah, it was... Uh, those guys, John Shannon, Doug McLean, uh, Grabowski, like the stories they told were so, so cool. And I love the idea of a live recording. I would love to do a live recording in Detroit one day. We'll do it one day. Yeah. Maybe, I, maybe the pre, one of the pregame meetups next year. Yeah. We'll find a spot where we can get a quiet spot and do a rent room and do a live episode or something. If this show gets like, I don't think we're, t- I think maybe like twice the followers or twice the listens we have now. I think that'll be enough people to get out to a live recording. I think the biggest issue we're going to we would run into for the live recording isn't necessarily how many listeners we have per se because when we did our pregame meetup like I'm still to this day floored that we had 50 people show up to our mm. meetup before the home opener and that would be more than enough people in my mind to justify doing a live oh, yeah. recording. Um it's that we would actually have to pay the $500 to $1,000 to actually rent a room so there's no background noise, <laughs> which I think would be which would be the issue uh, well, that there, we would run into. And there's a lot of back end too, like the recording and the production. Yeah, it's a lot of it's a lot of stuff. Yeah. One and, day. And um, our, our setup is mobile, not <laughs> sim- not easily mobile, but we could bring it wherever we need it as long as there's an outlet and a power bar. We've done uh, it before. 
Yeah, we've done it before. We can do it again. We did it in a Joe Louis Arena dumpy locker room, so mm. we can do it. We could do it somewhere. Detroit won a game, lost a game. Last night was, uh, I know a lot of people uh, on Twitter were like, oh, did, you know, the, all the teams around Detroit won, and so a Detroit loss would be great for the tank, would really help make up some ground. Um, Detroit obviously ended up winning in overtime, um, but it's nothing to be mad at because Vegas looked bad. They looked out of sorts. They just, that was not their game. The whole time I was, even when they went up 2-1, I was like, eh, they're barely, it just seems like they're slapping the puck around. Yeah. Like a bunch of chip shots to nowhere. And it was, yeah, it was bizarre. Everybody has their off games. Detroit capitalized. And like you said, it was on a night where the wind didn't hurt the Red Wings. Um, They're right where they were. They had like Kuffner, Hiroshi, um, Matt Pumple was in. Like this was like a lot of energy in the lineup for guys who want to prove something. Yeah, this was actually as close to a a good structured lineup, like where you actually have some scoring on the fourth line as I've seen the Red Wings have in a while. I mean, the skill level is nowhere near NHL level, but hey, (laughs) baby steps. Um, No, it's fun. And also now Detroit is probably one of the few teams in the NHL that can still say they are undefeated in Las Vegas. Oh, they haven't lost there yet, eh? They have not lost there. They handed uh, Vegas their first ever franchise loss last year in Vegas. Mm -hmm. And then they won again in Vegas this year. And since they only play in Vegas twice a year, uh, odds are there's probably less than a half dozen teams who can still say that. That's great. Detroit constantly making a record. Historic. Historic. Actually, I think there was a a stat I was reading last year after Detroit beat Vegas and Vegas to hand in their first loss that Detroit actually owns the record for handing the most teams their first losses. Because they had Anaheim and a couple other teams um, from the 90s and 80s. And then going back to the original six, they handed a few of the teams. So there's probably like a half dozen teams that Detroit actually owns that. Oh, that's great. Record on. I love that. But uh, yeah, last night's game was was good from the sense of... um, I think that was what we needed to see from Anthony Mantha. He's looked all right the past couple games, but he hasn't been generating a lot. And he's made some poor decisions with the puck. And then he had that giveaway last night in the third period that led to Riley Smith's uh, go-ahead shorthanded goal. And it was just like, oh, Anthony, no. That was bad. And then he ties it up a couple, on the same power play and then wins it in overtime. Yeah. He needed that. That was the kind of bounce back he needed. Even Blashill after the game was like, love to see that for Mantha. He needed that. He played great. That was here's, fantastic. Here's my thing with Mantha is he's no longer... An, un- an unknown. We're not talking so much anymore about Mantha's progression so much as Mantha's production. And that's a shift I think you'll see from this year to next, especially with how we'll address it. Like Mantha is no, is no more one of those guys where we're like, what can he be? We know what he has the capacity to be. I genuinely still believe that this guy has the capacity to be a 30 goal scorer, but here's the thing. He's streaky and you don't always get the effort from him. Johan Franzen 2.0. They literally just flipped his number around. I, like a hundred percent. That's what it is, and it's it's frustrating because you have him go on these seven game skids, and you're like Mantha, you want to score, you move your feet, create the chances. If they're not coming to you, create them. And so it is tough to watch sometimes, but it's also good when you see him have these two goal games. That giveaway was bad, um, but it happens. Yeah, and he's, he's a shooter. He scored two goals on one-timers. Mm-hmm. This is what we need. And again, to, in, in kind of Mantha's defense, we've talked um, ad nauseum this year about the Red Wings' lack of playmakers yeah. and people to give the Anthony Manthas and the Andreas Athanasius of the world uh, pucks in good positions to get the shots off. They have to create a lot of their own offense. But we can still look at it as Mantha's missed 
13 games this year. Yeah. Only needs one more goal to hit 20. Uh, he's still fourth on the team in points. Um, he's over half a point per game, so it's not ideal, but it's not like he's had an awful season. Um, based no. on his skill set, I still think there's another gear here because I still can't help but think watching him do the things he does on the ice and, and think he might be the most skilled player on this team in every aspect of the game. He just hasn't put it all together. Because, yeah, Athanasio and Larkin are faster. Um, yeah, one or two guys might have a better shot, although I would debate that one. But Mantha wins board battles. He's strong on the cycle. He skates like the wind for someone his size. He can really get going when he gets going. When he goes, yeah. I would argue he does have the best shot on the team. Um, and he's got fantastic hands. But it just, it doesn't all... He's got the, the toolkit to be a 40-goal scorer in this league. But it the toolkit's being run by... a. Uh, Apprentice level carpenter right now. That that's a pretty apt description because I think the only block at this point is a mental one. Yeah, he is a guy you, where you kind of like the coach and the team around him has to keep shaping him because if without attention he'll kind of like fall out of sorts and and lose the fundamentals that make him that good. All the raw talent. Yeah, a lot of like good things and, and good habits that he just lets fall off at the slightest sign of like a slump or. You know, some bad line mates. You're going to slump and you're going to have bad line mates in, in professional hockey. That's the reality of it. And especially if you're on a bad team. I I think 40 goals would be ambitious. I think he could be a year year over 30 goal scorer. Um, he's 20. He'll be 25 next year. Or he might be 25 this year. I'm not sure. But he's 24 right now. So you're looking at his next two years being the peak of his production and then, you know, three years thereafter where he could still be putting out at a high clip um, or should still be putting out at a high clip. He has to figure out that production now. So come time when he turns 27, 28, he can refine his game to maintain his scoring with, you know, losing the step that guys do at that age. Um, I, I, I think next year is like the deciding if he can't hit 30 in a full season and try not to break your hand off someone's face this time, um, it, it's important for him to get there. And I think the coaching staff should recognize that. I don't know. I, I, just a baseless shot at Blashill here, I guess. But if you have a guy with that much talent who keeps missing the mark and going on these seven, eight game, six game pointless goalless droughts where you just look bad, is that not the coach's responsibility to recognize that? <laughs> to, to not beat a dead horse, I've been saying, we've been saying for how long in this podcast now, if Blashill's going to get the credit for Larkin's progression, he should also be taking the heat for the lack of Mantha's progression. Mm -hmm. Because you have two pretty similarly skilled players with different mindsets, confidence issues, um, hustle issues. If you can get Mantha's brain to start thinking and acting more like Larkin's brain, I'm convinced Mantha would be right there production-wise with Larkin. Oh, yeah. Maybe he, more goals, less assists, just because that's his game, but he'd be right there. And again, I, I'm not saying Anthony Mantha will ever be a 40-goal scorer because of those consistency issues, because of those issues between his ears. I'm just saying the the skill set is there to be that player. Yeah, absolutely. But that was always there for Johan Franzen too, and it never happened. And I that's honestly what I think is going to happen with Mantha. Um but yeah, if you can get a couple 30-goal seasons out of them and, you know, get like a 30-30, 60-point season, that's great. Again, we got to remember value. They picked him pick 20. 
you don't get a lot of 60 point players at pick 20. So no. that's, that's acceptable production for where he came from and everything. Um, but yeah, it's just, I don't know if it's, if it's Blashill not teaching him the right things, if it's confidence issues, or if we just all overestimated his hockey IQ. I, there's no way to know. We try to examine and figure it out. It's definitely one of those three things, if not multiple of them, but whatever it is, I hope he figures it out. And I hope it's one of the first two things because if it's just a lack of hockey IQ, then you can never fix that. But I've, I've, he's produced too well at every level of hockey he's ever played for me to think that's the issue. I don't... There's a, a common adage that's thrown around, which is you can't teach... Like you can teach skill, but you can't teach heart or something like that, which I don't buy. I think any player who's made it to the NHL has a level of hustle and dedication in them. It just maybe the situation isn't um, conducive to them extrapolating it or, or, or using it in that moment. So that's where for me, it's it's like if you're a coach and people are saying, oh, Mantha is not hustling. He's like, well, I've tried putting him on the fourth line or benching him and it hasn't worked. So it's a lost cause. And it, to me, it's just such an old school, like useless way of thinking. It doesn't work with all players. You look at Johan Franzen, that guy went off when the team was doing well. If, if Detroit was successful... Franzen kicked the team into another gear and scored nine goals in four games or something ridiculous. That That's when he thrived. And so you saw Babcock creating situations where Franzen was constantly in poised for success or had an easy path to being productive. He constantly played with Datsuker Zetterberg, always. Did not have the defensive responsibility to be playing with those guys, but still did, and it paid off. Mantha, he's still young. By no means has Detroit lost out on anything because of his lack of production or like slower than it needed production. Um, but we're getting to the point now where it has to be figured out. Yeah. Um, Taro Hirose, point, point per game player. Three points, three points, three games. Free value. Free value. Um, all It's it's really fun to just kind of joke around about him being a superstar. and, and it, But it is genuinely really nice to see a small guy with high skill, high hockey IQ, be productive in these auditions. Um, what he's doing for himself now is creating himself um, a slot as a legitimate contender to make the team at a training camp next year uh, or next season. So he's uh, he's looked good, honestly. Um, the hockey IQ has been the biggest display there. He's assisted on goals with, was it Vanek, Glenn Denning, and Nielsen? Yeah. So... He's productive with the bottom six guys. In a perfect world, I would love to see him keep this up and make a case to be the fourth line player like N or De La Rose. Detroit shouldn't have three of those guys. Detroit shouldn't even have two of those guys. But I would love to see that kind of talent on the fourth line. Yeah, well, ideally, we've we've been beating death for years. The idea of, hey four scoring lines mm-hmm. and Hiroshi with his skill set he looks like he'll be that ideal bottom six scoring winger um, with the rumors of Blashill's extension coming that's not going to happen no um, third line scoring line he's employed a few times when he had a full healthy roster and Nyquist wasn't traded so we can assume there'll be three scoring lines I think Hiroshi's got a real shot to be on that third line next year. Especially on this team, yeah. Again, watching Hiroshi so far, you can tell he's still catching up to the NHL pace a little bit, which is fine. That's to be expected. Mm-hmm. He's adapted a lot better than Kuffner has. You can see Kuffner is just all out of sorts with his timing. Um, Hiroshi's skill set isn't elite. He's not 
the fastest. He doesn't have the craziest hands. He doesn't have the elite shot. But like you said, he's got the hockey IQ. And you can get by on that as long as the rest of your skill set is good to above average, which his is. Yeah. Um, he's He doesn't look afraid out there, which is what I, I like. Because a lot of college for agents, they get their audition and they're... They get the mindset of just don't screw up, just don't screw up, just don't screw up. Hiroshi's trying to make plays, which I like. It's not always working. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be like a 50, 60-point player in the NHL. And if he is, I'm over the moon. But if he comes out, has a good rookie season, and like is a 40-ish point player over the next couple seasons, fantastic. Again, it's free found value. And if you can get a 40-point score on your third line, you're doing terrific. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I think right now that would be his best case scenario because, again, like you said, it's it's fun to be like, oh, point per game player, he's going to be a superstar. Yeah, he's made good plays on all of the assists he's had because, worth noting, two of his three were primary assists and had you hit the empty net instead of putting it back across the crease to Glenn Denning accidentally would have been three primary assists. Um, no, it's it's it, it's great. And I'm, I'm happy because, again, we were talking about the value with Mantha what you would get if you get a 60-point player of a 20th overall pick. Again, examine how many college free agents over the last 10 years have really panned into productive NHL players. I can think of DeKaiser, Bozak, VC. Am I forgetting anybody else? The list isn't long. Hmm. There's... There's... Double-digit college free agent signed every year, and the rate of them turning into productive NHL players seems to be less than uh, one every couple of years. So if Hiroshi is that guy this year, amazing. Also, I've heard Detroit's been one of the teams that have been sniffing around Brezzo, but a lot of teams have been sniffing around him because I think they even had him in a development camp a couple of years ago. But did they? Yeah, but they said they're not signing any more free agent forwards, so I'm not. Holding my breath on that one. Justin Schultz, Kevin Hayes. Kevin Hayes was drafted by Chicago, was he not? Uh, then I guess VC was drafted by Nashville, so mm. same situation. Tori Krug? Krug's a really good example. Yeah. Tori Krug, I think, is the best example. That's probably, yeah. But that was got to be eight, nine years ago now. At yeah, least. that's a while ago. Yeah. Um, no, Brazo is, is getting a ton more attention now. Good on his coach for making it so like public and known that it's yeah. ridiculous that this guy's not on an NHL team. Well, he scored 60 goals in the, the yeah. OHL this year. 21 years old, so he's an overager down he's there. He's an overager. But that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, I'm, I, I actually just, by whatever chance, happened to be um, at a preseason game this year where North Bay was playing Kitchener and, and the regular season game where North Bay was in Kitchener, so I got I got two live viewings of Brazo. The dude is a force on the cycle. You cannot knock him off the puck. Now, mind you, that's 16, 17, 18, 19-year-olds trying to knock him off the puck. Yeah. His scent, hockey sense around the net is ridiculous. Um, his shot is ridiculous. If him and I are having a goal-line-to-goal-line race... I'm not entirely positive I don't win. <laughs> he is an exceptionally poor skater. Okay, isn't he huge? <laughs> he is massive. He's like six foot five or six foot six or something yeah. like that. And he he skates like he's going through a swamp. Yeah. Again, everything else about his game at the OHL level is elite. It's not good to above average. He is the best of the best at all everything else he does in the game of hockey in the OHL. But his skating is so bad yeah it, like 
think Giovanni Smith levels of bad and then make it worse. Uh, that's kind of scary. Yeah, so that that's the only reason he hasn't been drafted anywhere because, again, there's no holes in the rest of his game. But, unfortunately, arguably the most important thing about the skill set about the game of hockey is his biggest flaw. <laughs> <laughs> Which, I'm not saying he won't be an NHLer because he is so good at every other thing. He could carve out a Thomas Holmstrom niche because, let's not forget, Holmstrom was also an exceptionally poor skater. Yeah. He absolutely could, but... It's a different game now, though. Yeah, so I'm not holding my breath. And again, I don't think Detroit's one of the serious contenders for him anyway. Uh, Detroit will have one game between now and the next episode. They play San Jose um, on their West Coast road trip tomorrow evening, so Monday evening before we're back on Wednesday. Um, Moving on, we talked a little bit about uh, the gold plan last episode. Mm -hmm. And while we didn't label it the gold plan but the reason it's called the gold plan is because the person who originally thought of it his last name was gold i want to say adam gold but i i should probably adam or aaron or something like that yeah uh brad remind to the listeners what the gold plan is the gold plan is um and the reason that this was in the news because actually this was hilarious this is one of the few times the winged wheel podcast was ahead of the curve because we were talking about this on an episode what uh two weeks ago Mm -hmm. week and a half ago and then a couple days ago, um, LeBron mentioned it, Shane Doan mentioned it, and then Down Goes Brown um, brought up his article on the subject uh, three years ago, which was my first exposure to the idea, um, is to prevent teams from tanking, the way the draft order is determined is points gained after mathematically eliminated. So... Again, it gives the worst teams the advantage because they're going to be mathematically eliminated ahead of time. The example people were bringing up was, okay, well, let's go back to the Connor McDavid draft. How would the draft order have shaken down? Coincidentally, exactly the way it did. But there would have been no random luck. Edmonton would have earned it there and people would not have freaked out because Edmonton had a really hot finish to the season. Um, Right now, if you look at the standings, I I haven't calculated the exact... um, math on it but i'm pretty sure right now if it were going by that system detroit would be holding the first pick at the moment Hmm. and we would have actually been cheering for the red wings to win these games um again to me it's the right answer it's never gonna happen i know this well to be fair now that shane doan who works for the league pierre lebrun and down goes brown are all putting this out there publicly that got that's a lot of traction. That's, that's not nothing. That's not nothing. It might still take a few years, but that's a lot of traction. So, yeah, we're going to have uh, Sean on on Wednesday. Yeah. And we're going to dive very deep into this subject because, hey, we actually were relevant for once. <laughs> Completely accidentally. Uh, we and we and When we talked about it last episode, I was initially like, I don't know, it wasn't sitting well with me. But the more I think about it, the more I'm like, it does create a culture where every fan wants their team to win every game. Yeah, it really does. It's going to drive, you're going to see less activity at the trade deadline, but you're going to see a higher premiums on those trades at the trade deadline then because there'll be a lot less rentals in the market. Um, Imagine right now. So again, imagine we were watching that game last night. Did anybody really jump off their couch and yell and cheer when Mantha scored that OT winner? Even we talked about this episode. Ah, Could have gained some ground in the lottery there. I want to cheer for wins in games like that. I want to enjoy watching hockey again because 
even if your team is the worst team in the league, the first couple months of the season, you're going to be cheering because you hope you're going to be that team that beats the odds. Yeah. You're hoping that, yeah, no, we're going to do this. And then if you get a bunch of wins at the beginning of the year, you're happy. You'll get that mid-season malaise where you realize that it was just false hope and garbage. But then after the trade deadline rolls around and your team's on the verge of being eliminated, you're interested again. You're paying mm-hmm. attention. And then you've got a full month of cheering for the team again to actively win. So I don't even care if the implications aren't fair in how the system breaks down. I want to enjoy watching hockey when my team's bad. And I think every fan base does because we all remember that game from the McDavid sweepstakes here where Buffalo and Arizona were two of the worst, three worst teams in the league and they played each other in the last week. And there was that game in Buffalo. Arizona scored and you've seen the Sabres fans jumping up and cheering behind the net. That's what you have to avoid. Yeah. And um, it was funny. So um, Sean um, brought back his article on the subject from three years ago for people to read. And one of the things are like, yeah, but it's not fair. <laughs> to which his response was, neither is the lottery. It's luck. <laughs> it's luck. They're like, yeah, what if, uh, what if a team has a strong schedule to finish and another team doesn't? You think that's any more unlucky than a lottery? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, we're, we're going to talk to Sean about that on Wednesday. So that's when we'll dive deeper into it. Yep. Uh, speaking of lottery teams, the Ottawa Senators are... Oh, God. They've... We don't have to tell you what the Senators have been through this season. And we don't have to tell you who it's been at the hands of. Uh, Friedman on 31 Thoughts said it perfectly. Ottawa just has to be quiet. Melnick has to just be quiet, disappear, don't say anything. Let this just blow over. Let it fade away. Of course, he had a press conference or I can't remember what it was. Radio interviews the next morning. Um, What did he do? He called Ian Mendez Bush League. Yep. He's one of the most respected hockey reporters and analysts there is. Yep. Um, He said that people who criticize him are just 12-year-old Leaf fans from Toronto. Uh, Criticized the Leafs rebuild saying, oh, I guess they forgot defense along the way. Um, Eugene, your highest paid defenseman right now is Dion Phaneuf's retained salary. Yeah, that's pretty much the only answer to that one. Yeah. It was just a stark reminder of this is Melnick's team. He'll do with it what he wants. Oh, sorry. Second highest player. Cody CeCe's back from injury now. Mm, right. I would actually prefer to pay Dion Phaneuf's buyout than Cody CeCe. Yes. A <laughs> hundred times over. Um, he... This is Malik's team, and he's going to do with it what he wants. And the the horrible reality is, is that he loves being a hockey owner. He thinks he's right. He will not listen to anything to the contrary. And it's just uh, everyone has to live with it up until he goes, up until he gets an offer that's worth it. And he had, like apparently they got an offer for like 400 million Canadian, which is not enough for an NHL team. No, yeah. no, I, I, I actually agree with oh, like, hundred, for not selling at that price. 100%. Because for new NHL franchises now, Seattle had to pay $650 million U.S. dollars. For a brand new franchise without a farm system, without a team, without an established fan base. You want to buy a hockey team in the most hockey-crazed country in the world, in the nation's capital? You better be, you better be way closer to a billion dollars than you are to $500 million. Yep. So, oh, and we even forgot where... Um, Melnick kind of loosely threatened the mayor of Ottawa. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Don't forget about that because the LeBreton flat steel went went um, belly up. People were wondering if it could be saved, if there was another proposal or another plan where Melnick could get in and get that uh, prime space for an arena. Yeah, nope, that's not happening now. Ottawa with the LeBreton flat steel and retaining two of the countless superstars that they lost would be a powerhouse right now. 
that franchise that probably, would be thriving. That would drive up the franchise's value by roughly a hundred million dollars. At least. This this franchise with Carlson Stone, just Carlson let's leave it at Carlson and Stone and in downtown Ottawa Arena. He could ask for a billion dollars. He could sell the franchise for such a huge profit. Or keep it. Who cares? People would love you. What a bizarre way to... And let's not forget, too, this is also the owner who is literally alive today <laughs> because one of his fans donated him... Uh, was a part of their liver? liver? Or was it a kidney? kidney? I can't remember. It might have been a kidney. I can't remember. So he should be dead right now. But this fan base... That he is just screwing over turn after turn after turn is why he's alive. So fans uh, donated a liver, and he's slowly ruining ruining fans' livers. Yes, it's a funny world, funny little dichotomy we have there. Oh God, it's I can't help but wonder if there isn't a substance abuse problem here, because this behavior is so erratic. He's ha- I don't know what caused his previous organ failure, whether it was liver or... His I think it was cancer. Was it? Okay. I so. But, it, I mean, this isn't rational human behavior. And I know... No, I think it is. I know humans aren't rational, so it actually makes it more human. But... I think it's rational. You don't get that wealthy and that powerful without being at least a little bit intelligent. No, but the but thing is, I, nothing that he's doing is unintelligent business-wise. Everything he, he's actively devaluing his franchise by hundreds of millions of dollars on a week to week basis. Yeah, but the very act of owning an NHL franchise means that your your uh, what's it called your value is rising. Like you, if you own an NHL franchise right now, just by ha- holding it by revenue sharing, yeah, revenue yeah. sharing, and the fact that the leaves leaf our league is growing, the NHL is becoming more and more popular, hockey is becoming more and more popular. When hockey succeeds in the south. Teams in the North benefit. This is true, but here's here's the problem. Yes, the league as a whole is growing, and he will benefit along with that. But if he keeps tanking himself by counterbalancing it, by devaluing his own franchise, he's not getting anywhere. He's just canceling out the profit he'll make due to league growth by pissing off a good chunk of his fan base and devaluing his own franchise. No, you're it, like you're right that he's it's it's just I can't fathom. I'm I'm at a loss now how he doesn't understand to just shut up. There isn't a Sans a Sens fan left that is defending him, that likes him, no. that wants to support this team unwaveringly. They don't exist except for the fake Twitter accounts he's created and has been parading around the social media networks which i stumbled across a few of them in my timeline and oh my god he, he can't even create a fake account well these are so blatantly obvious it's a gold mine i love it it's but it's so, it's so stupid okay here's the thing you're you're right in that what he's done has devalued the situation you're right in that what he's done has not demonstrated a reasonable amount of foresight because if you just shut up and let the let the team play out. Keep Carlson, keep Stone, pay them, get the LeBreton Flats deal. He could go out and spew off the most toxic crap in the world, and it wouldn't matter because the team would be worth way more than they are now. But the thing is, he still 
is in the green. He's still in the black here. He's still making money. And he gets to play with his toy. The NHL team is his toy. And that's just the reality of it. Um, I don't think that there's anything here other than Eugene Melnick does not give a damn about anyone else. He's a huge jerk, to quote Don Cherry here. (laughs) And he's going to do what he wants up until someone steps in and takes it away from him. And the the harsh reality is he hasn't really done anything that warrants the NHL being able to legally take the team from him. If he was losing money, then yeah. But it seems like he's paying all his bills. If he was if he did something publicly that was uh to the same like you know, made some horrible comments that warranted like a public backlash, then yeah, maybe. The way the same way the Clippers owner was forced out in the NBA, but just that's not the case it just he just sucks for hockey right now and that's that's the end of it so let's get to the next the follow-up question with this you're gary bettman what do you do if i'm gary bettman you do whatever you can at the most cursory subtle background level to push him in the right direction you play the game you speak his language and say hey let's get this lebreton flat steel done Forget everything else. Push out all the noise. I'm willing to help you get the LeBreton Flats deal done. You just have to work with me on this. I just need you to shut up. You do whatever you can to get that arena deal done. That is what you do. And then after that, it does not matter if Melnick is still the owner. Because once that LeBreton Flats deal is done, that the team's value will skyrocket. It's not happening now, though. Melnick has thoroughly burned that bridge through. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. But that would be the the main priority because right now, if you're not trying to focus on the arena deal, what you have to do if you're Batman is skip a step and focus on uh, finding a buyer for the team. But if you're finding a buyer for the team, you have to get them to pay a price as if the, the flats deal was done because Melnick is not stupid. He would recognize the loss of value there. Now, here's the catch-22 on that one. <clears throat> I agree that if a new owner comes in, LeBreton Flats is an option again because the mayor and the city would probably happily work with a new owner instead of working with Melnick to get a deal done. The mayor and the city are not going to leave that land unused no. for long. No. So if you're Batman, you would need to have that team sold within the next year, I would guess. Uh, Melnick's not going to willingly sell that in the next year. And if that LeBreton flat steel doesn't get done and there's no other viable option to move the team closer to Ottawa, that's a franchise that is that very seriously will be falling on financial hard times sooner than later. This is, let's not forget too. This is a team that's very recently removed from the conference finals where the team was on cloud nine. The fan base was on cloud nine. And they still weren't selling out conference final games. Yeah, no, it, it, Carolina. It's a hundred percent a location thing. It is. It is, and everything's gone sideways. So Gary Bettman's job is to make the league money. He works for the owners. So technically, he is an employee of Eugene Melnick. What I think is going to have to happen to get Melnick out, hashtag, is the other owners are going to have to step in. This guy is devaluing our brand. This guy is turning this franchise into a financial black hole that we don't feel like supporting anymore. That's the only way that I think he's going to ever be pushed out a la Donald Sterling. Or until Eugene Melnick just does go on a racist tirade, which at this point isn't entirely out of the question. 
it's <laughs> no, it's just this is the he's done he's done things that are shitty for hockey but i don't know if i wouldn't count on that i, I wouldn't bet on it but uh would it entirely surprise you at this point nothing would entirely surprise me at this point if it turns out that he was literally thanos himself that wouldn't surprise me at this point <laughs> Uh, let's move on. Um, a quick standings update before we head into overtime. I know we have a lengthy overtime today. Um, we the the Columbus Blue Jackets are out of a playoff spot right now. They're three points out with one game in hand. So really, if they win that game in hand, there's still a point out of the playoffs. Um, Essentially, they do not control their own destiny at this point. They're four, five, and one in their last ten. Oh, for a team that just added Matt Duchesne who kept their two superstar players, that is, they're out of sorts. If you're a Leafs fan and you're concerned, look at Columbus right now. This is a team that just bet it all. They bet the bank, they bet the house, they bet their kids' college funds, they bet it all on this playoff run. And there might not be a playoff run. There might not be a playoff run. And right now, even if they get in, it looks like it's Tampa Bay waiting for them. Tampa Bay has now, uh, not Tampa Bay, Columbus has now ruined the trade deadline if they do not get to the playoffs or don't even get out of the first round because no other team is going to go all in like they did. I'm going to save, I'm going to, I'm going to withhold my, my final judgment on all this, on all this, because this could play out a lot of ways. There's still eight games left for them. Um, three points, a three point difference in eight games is not, it's not insurmountable. Colorado just, I think they were six points out not that long ago and yeah. uh, currently sit in a playoff spot. And, and so a lot can happen. So yeah, Colorado is in their second playoff spot. Uh, Arizona with one one point behind. Minnesota's one point behind, but they uh, they have one more game played. So there's two or three teams on either in either conference right now that are pushing. So there's, there's an opportunity here. Philly's all but out. Um, so Columbus, Montreal, and Carolina are, are the three in the East that are vying for those last three. Bunch of jerks. Bunch of jerks. You see them play basketball the other night? I love it. That's so funny. Local sports team has fun, angers hockey media. Angers old man who is very clearly just doing it for the ratings at this point. <laughs> the network is also promoting. So, yeah, it's not too surprising. Um, with that, let's get into uh, overtime. It's, uh, well... What time is it right now? Yeah, 12.28. Yeah, let's get into overtime. Why not? We have a lengthy overtime. Oh, overtime, of course, is brought to you by uh, Patreon patrons whose comments get read out on air, guaranteed as our way of saying thank you uh, for supporting the show. Um, if you guys want to check out more, listen to our fancy new outro that tells you how to uh, become a patron and check out some other cool stuff. Brendan B. Singer says, hey, boys, what's a movie or a song that is seen as a classic that you think is just okay or sucks? Mine would be The Goonies. I think it's a fine movie, but incredibly overrated. Thanks as always. Uh, a for movie song or a song that is universally loved, but everybody that that is, but like I you don't love. Oh, rude boy. by Magic. I hate that song. And what everyone loves it. Why do you have to be so rude? Oh yeah. No, oh god, I hate that song so much. Um, um, I'm having a hard time picking a movie and a song because I just hate so many. <laughs> Brad was the original grumpy old man. Don't forget that. I am. I like. I'm gonna. Almost ninety percent of '80s hair metal is awful. Everybody loves it and everybody mm. pins it. I just. I don't get it. And I'm. I'm a rock guy. I just. I love the phrase it. hair metal. I know, right? Like Motley Crue. Eh. Oh man, you were gonna make. Some I know ideas. I'm pissing off half the people here. Yeah, um, probably more than that. I don't even care, but it's just. How do you feel about early two thousands punk? 
that's my jam. Like Blink One Eighty Two, some four. I grew up on that. Okay, I can't not. Okay, okay. I, I can't not love that. That's what I would go to bat for. I like. I yeah. understand. I have. I have friends who are like, "Oh no, that was garbage music." I'm like, "Okay, maybe technically, but also it was." Oh, I'll the hear music a, of a generation. I'll hear the case for maybe it wasn't actually that good, but the nostalgia alone yeah. for me gets it. Because were they supremely talented and having the most complex guitar riffs and all? No, God, no. I know that, but they were having fun. It was catchy. That's all I needed, and I'm sure that's how most people feel about '80s. Rock, which is fine. It's yeah. just objectively not that good. <laughs> uh, Jeff Chen says, hey, guys, I'm in Vegas going to the game tonight. Made a bet on the wings to win and score first. Figured if we win, I get money. If we lose, I donate it to the tank. A win-win situation. I guess by the time you read this, you can c- congratulate me either way. Congratulations. Uh, here's a bet. Who gets to 31st? Athanasiu or Larkin or neither? Athanasiu. Athanasiu. I don't know if Larkin will score for the rest. Larkin of the year. hasn't looked himself since coming back he's from the injury. Hurt still, yeah, he's still feeling it. Uh, in-game update: Witkowski slash Lashoff pairing is as useful as a shit-flavored lollipop. Really tough to watch live. Oh, well, <laughs> uh, Snail Lale says, "Hey boys, longtime listener, new patron. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast family, and thank you so much." Uh, previously tickle me jim jam on reddit (laughs) it's been about a year since i last commented uh since meeting y'all outside the joe last season my band just started booking our summer tour in the past the podcast among uh the winged wheel podcast among other podcasts have kept me occupied on long drives between towns what is your go-to distraction to make road trips not feel so long super glad to be a patron keep up the great work podcasts and food podcast food and uh music like, just pick a playlist, whatever mood you're in, and just jam out. Yeah, because one thing I've noticed, because we make, um, I make the trip to Windsor and Detroit a lot for family reasons and Red Wings reasons. And every time I go down, I am always driving and I am the only one who's ever awake on both ways on the trip. <laughs> Everybody falls asleep on me every time. I'll only fall asleep if I'm in the back. I feel bad falling asleep in the passenger seat. Oh, yeah. The, I remember the one time we went down. You and Evan were out cold by London. Oh, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> Headphones in, just done. Uh, Marissa says, this week's game is called Name That Host. Feel free to fight over these distinguished titles. Of the three of you, who this is good. Who is the best dresser? Evan. Evan is consistently business casual, I think. Yeah, yeah. He's, <laughs> He's always does, dressed he, to golf. He doesn't have another gear. No. And I appreciate that about him. Uh, the pickiest eater. I think you. I'm going to go with me on that yeah. one. Yeah. The most responsible. I'm going to go with Ryan on that one. Yeah. I don't know. Evan may. <laughs> <laughs> um, the shortest. That's me. Is it you? Not by a lot. No, yeah. we're close. Yeah. Um, loudest. That's me. That's you. Best hockey player. That's between you and Evan. I'm not on the ice enough to even put a, uh, my name in the Okay, so I'm going to keep this objective, and I'm just going to go by stats since me and Evan played on the same hockey team for a number of years. I took that crown. Mm. I think in a one-on-one game, I could take Evan. But to be fair, Evan was also a transferred um, defenseman. Yeah. So we played different positions. So he's definitely better in one zone of the ice than I am. But yeah. The other two zones, I'll say I have them. It pains me to not be able to get in this fight, but for someone who's been on the ice twice in the past two years, yeah, yeah. I, I I can't say anything until I get on more consistently again. Uh, the funniest. Oh, who's the funniest? Oh, it depends on the day. Yeah, and what kind of funny actually are you looking for here? Yeah. I'm the kind of funny where it's not funny at all. That's my specialty. <laughs> He's the anti-humor. Uh, the nerdiest. That's actually... Is that... That's you. Okay. Okay, but Evan's a huge nerd, too. Yeah, but you wouldn't know it until you really got to know him. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Most photogenic is Evan. 
Yep. The most gullible is Evan. Yep. <laughs> the most likely to survive a zombie apocalypse. Ooh. <sighs> I have a kid, so that takes me out of the running. She would get me murdered immediately. Oh, Mika would be murder bait right away. 100%. Um, I think Evan, I think I'm too brash. I think I'd just be like, oh, fuck you, zombies, and I'd walk out there. You, we would, me and you would probably tend to gravitate to populated areas, which is a poor choice. They'd Mm -hmm. never find Evan on the golf course. No. (laughs) No, they wouldn't. You'd just hide in a bunker, let him roll past. The worst cook? I've never had either of your cooking. I'm, I'm capable, but I, my list of things I can cook is very short. Can Evan cook? I doubt it, but I don't know. Tentative Evan. (laughs) The most mysterious, Evan. Evan. The most cultured. I mean, I think that's you by default. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> the most Canadian. That's me. That's you. Yeah. That's me. You're small town Ontario. Yep. Yeah, that's definitely you. Uh, Lonely or Lonnie Zone says, I agree with you guys about Blash Hill. Uh, that Blash Hill hasn't done enough to be enthusiastic about an extension, but I feel like it's a good thing to do, especially if you're unsure about how you transition to an Eisman regime running the show. First, it is a sign Eisenman returning is likely uncertain at this point, which isn't great, but it's the only way to give Eisenman a clean slate. If you sign a new coach, Eisenman wouldn't be able to fire him if you want to bring in another name. But if Eisenman prefers another coach, he can just fire Blashill, knowing he'd have two years' salary guaranteed. Plus, Blashill gets the benefit of having his reputation intact, having earned the extension. Seems to me like the best for best thing for all parties. Plus, if Eisenman returns and there's an extended transition where Holland sticks around for the last year of his contract, then we have a coach in place that provides the organization some consistency during that time. Anyway, you slice it, this team is going to suck next year, so it's not like it makes a difference for the next year or two anyway. That's just me trying to look at the positive of it all. Thanks for all you do and keep up the great work. That's actually a very interesting take that i don't completely disagree with i don't it's it's a little complicated and convoluted in my mind for it to be reality necessarily but i can't pick out any single part of that that doesn't make sense i can so when it comes to bringing in a new coach there's nothing that says you have to have a coach under contract on july 1 if you're bringing in a new regime if and this is the caveat of this all you could, they could just handpick whoever they wanted and throw infinity money. Now, my big thing here, even if you are on the pro, pro Blash Hill train, this is one of the strongest free agent coaching crops we've ever seen. There are better candidates out there. Even if you don't get your top pick, there's probably two to three more names out there who will be a stronger coach than him. And then you don't have to pay him two years of salary. The new regime gets to pick, handpick whichever coach they want. And I... I will also say there is harm in bringing Blashill back next year, circling back to the Anthony Mantha point we made next year. If he is not behind the scenes developing these players as best as another coach would, he might actively be hurting the future of the team because who knows how good Anthony Mantha or Andreas Athanasiu or Dennis Jalowski could be under a different coach. I'm not going to sit here and say they would be any better. We don't know that. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, we won't know until we try something different. The thing is, the the only point where I will say there is some merit to what they said is that you said that you don't have to have a coach under contract on July 1. You're right, but Eisenman might not necessarily come over on July 1, if he comes over. At all, yeah. No, you're right. So, again, I completely understand both both sides here. Um, 
Chris Clark says, hey, boys, new Patreon supporter and first-time commenter. Welcome to the family, Chris, and thank you so much for your support. Uh, he says, I'll be at the Sharks game Monday night, and I'm wondering, should I continue to root for the Team Tank and do the stupid shark chomp with their fans when Nyquist inevitably scores? Or should I find a way to forget about the standings for a night and cheer on the boys like a good fan should? Anyways, my Monday mornings are always made better by the podcast, so thank you, guys, and keep up the great work. Uh, go Wings. Um, I don't know if I'm physically capable of cheering against the wings if I'm in the same building. Yeah. So your ideal scenario is that the Red Wings lose like 5-4, but Nyquist scores five goals because it's acceptable to cheer for him. Yeah. Cheer for Nyquist. Do the shark chomp if you want to have fun. But honestly, if you're if you're paying money to see the Red Wings play, cheer for them to win. Or wear a Red Wings jersey and just obnoxiously cheer super loudly every time San Jose scores. And then yeah. maybe you'll get on TV and be the catalyst for the new tanking system. Yell for, come on, Abdulkader. <laughs> uh, Connor Baker says, I've been with my wife for almost four years now. And just now found out she squeezes the toothpaste tube from the middle. Oh, man, I'm sorry for your impending divorce. <laughs> uh, I cannot believe I married such a monster. You know what? I think Mel squeezes the toothpaste tube from the middle, too. Everybody has their bad habit. You should see Crystal eat a bowl of cereal. Why? It's horrifying. What does she do? I've got a picture of it. You will not believe how she pours her cereal. She doesn't pour it milk first. No, she doesn't. She pours it in the correct order. It's just that the uh, milk to cereal ratio is awful. Okay, so this is a freshly poured bowl. She hasn't touched that yet. So there's like two pieces of cereal in there no that's full that milk is an inch from the top of the bowl i'm i'm confused she pours like a liter of milk in for a half a cup of cereal oh i pour a liter of milk in for two cups of cereal <laughs> yeah that's a lot of yeah milk that's for not a lot, a lot of, of cereal in there at all why no. is she she should just drink milk <laughs> right <laughs> Um, anyways, thanks for such a great pod as always. I see that the wings called up Pumple from Grand Rapids. Seems like he's been productive down there, but has spent a lot of his career in the HL. What can we expect from him? Career HLer. Yeah, he's going to be a career HLer. Do you see him actually competing for a roster spot next season? No. No. Uh, if he did, I couldn't see him playing beyond a fourth line wing or penalty kill unit. Also, why have they not brought Chalowski back up, but brought up uh, brought up Lashoff? Did I miss something? Is he hurt, or is he just in the doghouse? Because the organization is now doing the thing they they should be doing. They're focusing on getting the Grand Rapids unit cohesive and getting the chemistry up and gearing them up for a long playoff run. The Red Wings are dead. There's no point in bringing up productive players off the Red Wings, uh, off Grand Rapids to Detroit for anything other than spot duty and to fill in five minutes tonight like Pumple's doing right now. They just sent Sulak back because he couldn't play in the two games because he was sick. And they're like, screw it. We're bringing Makaroth up, get Sulak back and going for the playoffs. So Grand Rapids, what happens with Grand Rapids the rest of the season is way more important than anything that happens in Detroit. And the organization knows that. Uh, pop quiz time. My dad is originally from the small village of Clinton, Ontario. The Radars. What current NHL players also from there hint they were an all-star this season? Love the pod. Hashtag Fireblash. Ryan O'Reilly. Yeah, that actually makes sense because he's the only like small-town Ontario boy. That Nothing, there's more than just him, but I think it's Ryan O'Reilly. Ryan O'Reilly, born Clinton, Ontario. Boom. Look at that. Nailed it. Uh, Kaylin Wood says, hey, dinguses. Uh, what's the best meal of the daytimes? Sorry. What's the best meal of the daytimes up? It's breakfast. What's oh, the, what's the me- best meal of the day? Time's up. It's breakfast is how we meant that to be. Right. Gotcha. Uh, well, I almost never eat it at the correct time. It's my favorite food. What makes the best omelet? French toast or pancakes? Oh, he's asking different questions. What makes the best omelet? 
um, green peppers, red peppers, mushrooms. Proper I'm not a season. mushroom guy. Oh, that's yeah. a bad take. Hot sauce. A little bit of hot sauce. You don't want to go over. I like spicy food, but you don't want to go over overdo it on breakfast. That's just going to screw up your whole day. French toast or pancakes? French toast. French not toast. even a debate. Anyways, let's go Red Wings. And by that, I mean, let's go Athens see you and D-Boss getting in 30 goals, but still lose to get the better pick. <laughs> Connor Jager says, hey, guys, last episode had me at a cliffhanger. What is the worst way each of you, especially Evan, have spent $100? I. <sighs> oh, God. <laughs> There's too many things that I could list. I've been um, to some bad Red Wings games. uh i think i spent a hundred like back in high school i spent a hundred dollars on a pair of shoes i wore twice yeah i've done that before too like where i just buy some um i think i've literally dropped over a hundred dollars in the beer store in one go before i bought some crappy video games yeah i bought some crappy video games i don't know oh i bought a new hockey stick once and then um I really wanted one kind of hockey stick and then they only had it like a inch or two shorter than how tall I needed it. And so I decided to put an extension on it rather than wait or go to a different sort of look for it. And I took one shot and because of the flex point was shifted because of the extension on top, it snapped right in half. What was it in warranty still? Uh, no, it was final sale. Oh, you dumbass. Yeah. Yeah. I was a dumb kid. Uh, also fun question. What is the most fun purchase you've ever made? Can be the same as a stupid purchase. I don't judge much. Cheers, boys. Fun purchase. Oh, I got to think of something like obscure then just that I ate at a I ate at a, a fine dining restaurant when we went to New York. Mel and I, we just splurged on um, Momofuku Co. It's David Chang's, one of his restaurants. It's got two Michelin stars. It cost an arm and a leg, but it was I can't. There's no word to tell you how amazing it was. It changed me as a person. <laughs> that was a blast. Um, I've, I've ate at a few restaurants that would definitely classify one of them actually being in New York City. Um, I forget the name of the restaurant, but it was one of Tom Colicchio's mm-hmm. uh, in Brooklyn. Um, $100, most fun. I'm trying to think of something like weird that I wouldn't normally spend it on, but it was just like ended up being the best thing ever. Okay, as a guy who's not a, a really good cook, it was more than $100. But when I bought my uh, full, proper adult-sized barbecue it changed my life Mm. food was no longer the same uh advanced water says has a goalie ever scored a goal oh yeah plenty many uh osgood has yeah osgood did broder did uh hextall did twice nabokov the last one Uh, was against detroit right mike smith yep uh red wings prospect keith petrozelli did it in the ushl two years ago Mm -hmm. so it, it actually happens actually the craziest thing, um, I could not tell you the league. It was some obscure like junior league in north somewhere in North America. But about a month ago, a junior hockey goalie scored an overtime winner. What? Yeah. So for some reason, I guess the other team had a ton of pressure, or I, I don't remember the exact circumstance, but it was like in triple overtime. So they just said to hell with it and pulled the goalie and threw six guys out there to just try and end the damn thing. And the goalie ended up getting it and firing it down and scored the overtime winner. I remember I saw it on a uh, TSN. They uh they meant they made a post about it. It was That's crazy. Awesome. Um, Rowan says greetings one two and three. Remember how the uh, wings had the two kids in a goat line? I feel like that's what you guys now two hacks and a goat. <laughs> Obviously, Mr. Popular Ryan is the goat in this scenario. I'll happily be Pavel Datsuk. Well, until the next election. What does the WWP Constitution have to say about the timing of this? (laughs) Oh, the next election? Uh, I don't know how often these elections have to be. 
maybe end of season elections every year. We'll have to consult our <laughs> our local constitution expert Evan, who's never here. Uh, is the damn season over yet? Uh, where do you th- where would you rank Byram on the Red Wings draft board if you were in charge and the draft was today? <laughs> it depends on the day you ask me. Yeah, that's pretty much uh, where I land right now. I think I'm at five, five or six. I would two weeks ago I would have put him more closer closer to six, but now I'd I'd bump him up to five. I think. And some days I have him up at three. Other days I have him down at seven. I really just this draft is so screwy. After Hughes and Kako, there's five guys that the Red Wings could pick at three that I'd be like happy with. Um, jersey time, ads on jerseys. There's, these are the three options. Option one, yes, one would be fine as the additional revenue would be beneficial. Option B, no, heck off and don't tarnish the sanctity of the jerseys. Option Abby, yes, free reign because I'm a monster. <laughs> okay, the reality of it is it's going to happen. The horrible reality of it is it's going to ruin the sanctity of the jerseys and that's where my heart is not as long as Bettman's commissioner he is firmly against it he's firmly against it and I appreciate the fight that he's put up the NBA's done it and it's been I honestly haven't noticed it really and that it's a small logo on the chest um if the NHL wanted to do a small logo on the chest or as a shoulder patch I wouldn't hate it um the (laughs) The, the type of monster I am, the biggest reason that bothers me is if they did that. So let's say there was a tiny little Caesars logo on the opposite chest of um, where the Captain C would go. And I bought a Red Wings jersey. I would need that stupid advertisement on the jersey or else I wouldn't consider it a real jersey. <laughs> and I hate it. But Oh, I wouldn't want the advertisement, but they'll put it on the fan jerseys. I would sure. want the ex- whatever the Red Wings wear on the ice. That's what I want. Um, Tyler Clore says, if you could guarantee Eric Carlson signs with the wings this off season for seven years, but we had to extend Erickson and Cronwall for an extra year at the current, uh, average or their current salary. Would you do it? A hundred percent. That's I would sign them both. Yeah. Uh, so you're telling me I'm going to have five to six years of glory for an extra year or two of pain. Yeah, please. Thank you. Also, Tyler's a new patron. Welcome. And thank you for your support. Jonathan R. Reinbold says, Hello and greetings from the great state of Arkansas. I was wondering what your guys' uh, evaluation of Tarl the Great <laughs> after these three games. Unfortunately, I'm unable to watch any games right now due to being swamped with college and raising a five-month-old. Hey, nice. Congratulations. Uh, based on the goal highlights and his assists have looked quite solid overall. Tonight's against uh, Vegas specifically seemed like good awareness on picking off that clear out. Uh, obviously, three games is far too little to gain a, ga- gain a great sense of how great he could be. However, it sure is nice to have a positive storyline to follow other than cheering on the tank. Thank you guys for doing this podcast. You guys have made it much easier to follow the wings without being able to watch the games. Thank you, Jonathan. Um, yeah, what we mentioned before about Taro, yep. good hockey sense. Um, still has a lot of work ahead of him if he wants to be a regular. Specifically, he doesn't fit this coach's mold of what a fourth liner should be. and He's not exactly a top six talent, but he's... He show- might be, though. He's shown that... Uh, I wouldn't bet on it, but he might be. He's, he's, got, he he's, got productive. The, he's got the hockey IQ for it. Um, Hassam Al-Qasem says, Hey, boys, so I had tickets behind the bench at the Griffins versus Stars game last night in Texas. Uh, at the game, a row behind me, a couple sitting there with Griffins jerseys on. So after the first period, I asked if I could scoot over a seat. So I was asked if I could scoot over a seat so they could sit up behind the bench as well. Happily moved over so they could join. Turns out they're actually friends of the equipment manager of the Griffins and retired Army vets. We continued talking throughout the game, and at the end of the second, I asked him if they could ask their friend if he can have Zadina sign my hat. Told him not to worry about it if he was asking for much. Didn't want to be a pain. They text the equipment manager and asked him. Right before the third, he walks to the bench and tells them that he can't get my hat signed. 
He then proceeds to show me a stick and points at the blade, which is signed. He then hands me a game-used signed Philip Zadina stick. Jesus Christ. What? Here are pictures of my newest prize possession. Oh is, that, is that the equipment manager, the same one who did that interview with Zadina on uh, YouTube a couple weeks ago? I'm not sure. Because if it is, that guy's my hero. That is in... I am so jealous. Holy. Oh my God, that's dope. That's incredible. I would kill for a Zadina signed game use stick. Oh man, that is amazing. Cameron Brown, we'll go to the next one. Cameron Brown says, hey guys, first post after becoming a patron and wanted to hit y'all with a little hashtag team chaos. Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast family, Cameron. Uh, Imagine if you will, Columbus misses the playoffs. They proceed to win the lottery, and Jack Hughes now becomes an Ottawa senator. No, their pick is protected. Lottery protected can't yeah. happen. Because Columbus was smart enough to do that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, how many remotes would you put through your TV? Uh, if it wasn't protected, a lot of remotes. All of them. Um, also, do you guys have any jerseys that to everyone else would make zero sense, but to you has personal personal or sentimental value? I will wear my ni- number 90 Madonna with pride, damn it. I had just moved to northern Michigan from Houston when he signed up here, and he was my idol growing up when none of my friends even knew what hockey was. Thanks for all your hard work. Hands down the best wings pod. Oh, that means a lot. Thanks, Cameron. Oh, I got two. I've got um, uh, Pavel Bure, white 90s Vancouver Canucks jersey, and I've got um, an early 2000s Wade Redden Ottawa Senators jersey, but not just any Ottawa Senators jersey. The beautiful black ones with the gold trim. Mm. Those jerseys were fire, and I wanted one, so I literally just picked my favorite player on the Sens at the time, and it was Redden, so that was the one I got. Uh, I have one that I don't own, but I desperately want, and it's a signed Lidstrom Winter Classic. That makes sense, though, Ryan. I know it makes sense, but it doesn't make sense because I don't own it, and that's where I'll land with that. Warm Chord Music says, I feel with the shooters on this team like Mantha, Athanasiu, and Zadina, um, the Wings really need to aim for players in this draft that are top-notch playmakers. Hey. Hey. You made a friend. Uh, which players in this draft, besides Hughes, truly has the skills skill set to make his line mates better? Also, if Kako is there, I wouldn't pass him up, but I understand he's a scorer. So if we're looking at playmakers beyond Hughes, you're looking at Zegris, Turcotte, or Doc. Zegris and Turcotte have really shot up a lot of people's lists. I think both of them are in my top five top at the five. moment, if not top six. Uh, Kako's playmaking and overall hockey IQ... Oh yeah, he's he's going to be a player. He's not much. He's a good playmaker. He's better a better playmaker than he gets credit for. But that's not going to be his calling card. No, uh, think of Ovechkin. Ovechkin makes the people around him better. I think he's more a goal of, scorer with Kako. I think more of Pasternak. Oh no, sorry. I'm just yeah. like I'm not to compare. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. I got you. He would make the playmakers around him better. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Philip Gasno says thoughts on having the draft age. Draft age changed to 20 with exceptions for generational talents. Hate how the draft has one to two players NHL ready and the rest you really have no idea who or what they'll become. Um, So the best idea I've heard, I don't know how this logistically would be implemented, but Pat LaFontaine's been the guy championing it. Not a 20-year-old draft, but a 19-year-old draft. Um, So what that would do, what that would allow is every junior player in the CHL will get three full years before you draft them. And in some cases, if they're a late birthday, four years. Although if you went to a 19 year old draft, the late birthday would no longer be a thing because no 17 year olds would play in the NHL. So that's actually a moot point. So you could get rid of that stupid caveat. Um, So, yeah, they would get three full years of junior. And that would also open them up to when they get drafted, they could still go to the NCAA and get rid of that stupid rule. And then you would see a lot more players jumping straight from junior into the NHL. Um, And the exception was you're in the first round of the draft. You're allowed to take 18 year olds. 
that's what he's champion okay championing um i don't there's some complications with it but in principle i like the idea because i i do hate the conversations of Michael Rasmussen, for example, he's the poster child for this right now. He probably shouldn't be in Detroit this year, but he definitely shouldn't have been in Tri-Cities. And he fell in the middle. So the CHL wouldn't be getting screwed because in a Michael Rasmussen's case, if you draft him at 19, straight to Grand Rapids. No worries. Or the NCAA if they feel that's an option for a couple of years. Whatever works. And it, I, I think there's too much sense there to not seriously look at it. But... Ryan Kearns uh, says, so I didn't watch the Vegas game because sleep is fun, but watching the recap, the play by Larkin and OT looked vintage, looked like vintage Datsuk. I know he's not Datsuk, but it was a nice thought. It wasn't amazing. A pick and a pass to a goal. Yeah, that sounds like Datsuk. Uh, Joshua Bzura says, hey boys, Ryan, don't let Brad or Evan rain on your victory parade. The numbers never lie, especially not on Twitter. Uh, I was wondering who you guys are more excited to see getting consistent minutes in the wings, Valeno or Zudina? I think Zadina still has this higher ceiling, but there's, of course, the element of not having seen Valeno yet and him having a little bit more of a surprise factor in how good he's been, even though it was already ridiculous that he dropped as far as he did, and now it just looks even crazier. I also have some absurdly bizarre information about everyone's favorite head coach. A very close friend of mine's dad was the starting goalie at Ferris State in college. Blashill was his backup. Apparently at parties, it was routine for Blash to get naked and had... I won't read that one out loud, although I do appreciate the information. Um, <laughs> he's he referred to as the naked goalie, according to his dad. That story is just so ridiculous and funny to me that I can't see him the same way I did before. Final note, I can't bring myself to hate Larkin, Howard, Athanasiu, Mantha whenever they scrape us out a win like last night, even if I really do want to lose. Keep up the great work, boys. Um, that's that's a whole lot of visuals I didn't need. <laughs> that's... Uh, that's college. Oh, boy. <laughs> Fair state. Uh, James uh, McMenamin says, hey, guys, how are you? I know you'll dive into prospects more soon, but I was wondering what your thoughts are on Alex Turcott. Ranked top 10, but I've noticed many fans on the lottery team's message boards are a lot higher on him than the scouts, like picks three to five high. It seems the opposite for Zegras, whom scouts seem higher on. How high would you take him? Is Zegras' offensive upside higher than Turcott's two-way game? Turcott is the only player other than Hughes at roughly point per game pace in the NCAA against NCAA opponents, albeit in fewer games, and he doesn't play with Hughes at all. Seems like the injury has kept his stock lower despite his return to form earlier in the season. It's the injury. Sample size matters. Segris has been fantastic for the entire season. Uh, Turcott has been fantastic in the smaller sample size. I don't think there's a dramatic difference between the two. I'd be over the moon if Detroit got either of them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, depending on the day, my rank of who's higher changes. So yeah, it's, it is what it is. So, uh, PS, despite the shot to the tank, Larkin set up to Mantha last night, Mantha last night brought me joy. Can we clone Larkin's drive and retrofit Mantha with it? Thanks guys. Take care. That's exactly what we said earlier. (laughs) Uh, we have time for a couple of Reddit questions. And I think there is one or two on Twitter. I saw. Oh, Twitter ones? Do yeah. you want to pull those up while I, I do a Reddit I one? I saw at least one. Um, Hockey0284 says, It's expected that Svechnikov will make the team next year because he's no longer waiver-exempt. He's been injured all year, and it feels like everyone kind of forgot about him. He had a strong rookie season with the Griffins, 51 points. What are your expectations for him next year? Is he going to be a 40-point type player, better or worse? I would love if he was a 40-point player. I would probably predict he'd be lower than that, though, almost definitely. I don't know what you think, Brad. One more time I was reading. Svechnikov, what would you expect from him next year? Uh, I'd be thrilled for a 15-15 season. Yeah, I would 
I think that would be a very successful season, and I wouldn't count on it. Oh boy, there's a lot of ask WWPs. Um, Izerbaz says, at what point do we say that Mantha is what he is? Talented, but overly streaky and inconsistent. Also, don't let Hockey Town Evan read this out after he butchered my Twitter name last week. <laughs> I mean, how serious, seriously, how hard can it be for Wings fans to read Izerbaz? Um, where do you think Elite uh, Ali at Flattest Maximus says, where do you think Elite Taro Hiroshi will end up next season? Um, Between the fourth line and the AHL. Best case scenario, third line in Detroit. Worst case scenario, first line in Grand Rapids. Captain Obvious N7 says, what do you think uh, is next for Joe Valeno? Another year in the queue, call up to Grand Rapids, or even a direct jump to the Red Wings? The Red Wings have all but said he's not going back to the queue next year. Um, All signs are pointing to Grand Rapids. Uh, Any realistic way that Detroit uses one of their second-round picks to draft Spencer Knight? Uh, There's no realistic way Spencer Knight makes it to the second round. And if he does, I'm over the moon, and I'll be pissed if they don't grab him. Yeah, but I don't think he makes it. Um, And then, let's see. Oh, we have a comment from OSBP. says, Ryan, super jelly of you getting to go to Co. I went to Alinea for the third time last year, and it was the best time yet. Be jelly. I am. Alinea is actually next on our list. It's in Chicago. Um, And so is your restaurant. Uh, it's nice when Evan talks. The guy's super knowledgeable and doesn't sugarcoat shit, though it's nicer when Ryan is there. Uh, last week, Brad said, I don't like being the center of attention. I almost drove my car off the bridge. I can't live in a world where my favorite podcast has a host that lies more than our president. <laughs> I said I don't like being the center of attention when like it's a celebratory manner, like birthdays, winning an award, that kind of stuff. I hate it. If we're actually talking about something on this, oh, yeah, give me the spotlight 10 out of 10 times. I don't care but because we're not talking about me. Uh, my diet lately has fallen into the realm of only pizza. It seems this has led to some questionable stand to wipe moments when this stool has been soft. Stool is a very dirty word. Haven't sworn this whole post. Be proud, Ryan. Be proud. Yeah. I didn't have to censor at all. That's amazing. Uh, do you have another question pulled up? There's like 10 ask WWPs. So those aren't all, they're all in the last three days. Oh man. Yeah. We had time for a couple more of them. Um, that's a coach question. Jonathan Golding says, the new intro is great. Hey, thanks. Uh, of late, Kenny has had some decent moves. Howie short-term, testing the young NCAA guys. Uh, for positivity reasons, what move of Ken's has caught you happily by surprise this season and last, excluding the draft? This Howard contract was like, too many things went right with that. That was far too shocking for me. Actually throwing Hiroshi and Kuffner into the NHL lineup surprised the ever-living hell out of me. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go with that. Because I, I did not see that coming at all. I thought for sure they would have been in Grand Rapids for the playoff run. Uh, Chad says, who's going to win an award for their role? Ryan Reynolds and Detective Pikachu. Danny Trejo as Boots and Dora in the Explorer City of Gold. Dora in the Lost... Sorry, Dora the Explorer. Dora uh, in the Lost City of Gold. Or Jim Carrey as Dr. Robotnik, Sonic the Hedgehog. Oh my god. <laughs> I think Detective Pikachu actually has a chance to be a good movie, so I'm going to say that one. I'm going to go Detective Pikachu. Um, Because I'm actually going to watch that movie, and I am not going to be watching the other two, so. No? (laughs) No. I love Danny. Uh, With that, we're going to wrap up this week's episode uh, in the interest of making sure that Brad gets out the door on time. Uh, Keep up those uh, Ask WWP questions on Twitter. We will uh, keep going to those in addition to uh, Reddit after we get to the Patreon comments. Um, And with that, 
We want to thank everyone for tuning in this week. Uh, I know this will be your second time hearing the new intro and outro, but pay attention to the outro. She has a lot of great information, but before we get there, I want to thank our name-level Patreon sponsors. Um, Sky Carcass, Arjun Shanker, Clayton Van Dyken, Mike Reed, Langabeer, Kaylin Wood, Charlie Elkins, Stan Olson, Ryan Lewis, Dan Bell, and Hannah Lee. Thank you all so much. Um, yeah, check, listen again, listen to the new outro, and we'll see you uh, later this week with our interview with uh, Down Goes Brown. Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey Town Evan.